0: Cough and Sean Trotar, weekdays at 2 on Mile High Sports. Happy March Madness Day, it begins in earnest. Happy Snow Day, Sandy, I'm going to, and everybody out there, I'm going to take a little bit of the blame for this one, because it was like 69 degrees yesterday, and It beautiful. was, I, I heard and it hit it 70 at one and, point. Um, that's on me, because I'm, I'm one of the people... That uh, so born and raised here, background there. Um, I don't wash my car like ever because it kind of growing up here. I'm like in the winter it makes no sense. It's gonna it's gonna be miserable. It'll snow in the spring. It'll rain in the summer. It'll rain. I probably wash my car like two to three times a year. Me too. And yesterday filled up the car. Decided you know what nice. I'm gonna wash the car and then bam. So sorry everybody. That's kind of on me and that'll teach me. And I'm gonna only wash it like once or twice
1: a year. Yeah done with that well don't watch it in in march yeah um because suckered uh, in by the march is supposedly our snow month but it was so beautiful yesterday and uh we broke our wednesday snow streak though because it officially only began snowing on thursday morning at about three okay this morning i'll take it it. started it was raining some last night but not snowing it was raining, but during the early morning hours it did start to snow and uh it's snowing on and off around here. We're in the vicinity of the Denver Tech Center. Right.
0: Well, fortunately, I mean, it was so nice yesterday. It's just kind of landed and Beautiful. melting, and it's fine. Yeah. And uh, our, our friends in the in the weather world, uh, Chris Bianchi, going back Thibble, a little bit, watching him over on uh, Twitter, pointed out that, you know, apparently it's been a dry March. So that's okay. It has been so far. Very dry. So, all right. Very so, dry okay. through the
1: first half of March, but. But I kind of feel like that's March 60.
0: Everyone that was excited about, you know, the nice spring weather. And then I feel like I ruined it. But, um, you know, what are you going to do? St. Patrick's Day, of course, is tomorrow. Uh, Add that to the March Madness and we will get to a a few things as well. The Avalanche will be on their second night of a back-to-back. They get it done. We'll talk about that. But, of course, uh, the the tournament is the big news. And uh, just... uh, Obviously, that the big news is the upsets. They always is the upsets. Some of the things that we expected to happen, expected. Uh, Maryland snuck by West Virginia. Big comeback. West Virginia jumped off to a huge nineteen lead. to six. Took exactly one game for my perfect bracket to go bye bye. Well, because I picked it, West, it, listen, Virginia. I pick West Virginia.
1: I picked West Virginia too. And that's one of those eight nine games. It's a coin flip game, and it really was. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, the final was what 67, Se- 65 six, yeah, exactly. Uh, Maryland held on at the end. Uh, uh, but Virginia had uh, a shot from just inside mid court that you see go in.
0: Yeah, sometimes, especially sometimes. this time of year, it yeah. goes in. It does not. So <laughs> uh, uh, did
1: not. So Maryland hangs on and wins by out, two.
0: Terrapins in Missouri beats Utah State seventy six to sixty five. Uh, Sandy's Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, how do we say Hold serve. I guess against Howard 96 to 68, no problem there. But the big story in the early going up Furman, who by the way, Sandy, you yesterday did actually say you couldn't
1: quite pick. Them I couldn't pull, pull the trigger. Virginia. I couldn't pull the trigger, but they did. Well, 68, 67, I, I was fine. Thirteen f- over four. First 36 and a half minutes, uh, Virginia basically had the lead and they were up by 12 with 10 minutes to go in a game. And you're thinking Virginia plays slow. Uh, They're not going to turn the ball over. They're turning the ball over at a lower rate than any team in the country. And they had eight turnovers today. They wished by the end of the game they had only seven because holding the ball with a two-point lead, 10 seconds to go with a Furman coach screaming from the sidelines for his team to foul. They had a Virginia kid trapped in the corner, Mm -hmm. and he was screaming for them to foul. He said after the game, it was a good lie. He said uh, uh, the Lord somehow prevented them from hearing me, <laughs> and instead, the Virginia player, for some reason, and the kid had a great game. Uh, I mean, he made two steals right before that uh, to help give Virginia its two point
0: lead. Yeah, yeah. Reese Beekman, the uh, yeah, yeah, the guard, and there. he throws the ball. Fourteen away. points on the game.
1: Yep, and uh, Furman takes it. Knocks down a three with under three seconds to go and wins by one, 68-67. The uh, good
0: performance there, uh, Jalen Slauson with the big numbers, 19-10 and 10, uh, with four assists for Slauson, for Furman. The Paladins, by the way. You might not have known that, that they were the, named First the Paladins. First win in almost
1: 50 years in the tournament for Wow,
0: Furman. and you knock, 74. One, you knock off a four. I mean, that is yeah. impressive. And uh, and pardon my ignorance, we were actually, uh, Danny Bailey in the booth and Anil Apiro, who will be on later, we were talking, um... None of the three of us knew where Furman actually is.
1: Where's Furman? No. I assume it's Uh, back east. I don't know. I mean, good for them. It's not, you know, uh, some of the smaller schools that were good when I grew up in the mid-60s, you know, mid to late 60s. Some of those schools are in the turn of Fairleigh Dickinson is one. Right. Right. And Furman I I I don't recall having any kind of basketball well, program I mean, of no, was their and first honestly, win in fifty years. They they had won last in nineteen seventy four. Um, I must confess, I don't recall that. <laughs> yeah, Berman, by the way, uh, in <laughs> but it, Greenville- but it was a, I, I believe a forty eight tournament then, so they must have won their league because mm-hmm. that was the only way you could get into the tournament back then. It was forty eight or. Maybe not even forty-eight back then.
0: Greenville, South Carolina, All right. and according to uh, their website, the oldest private institution of higher yep. learning. Yeah, I know. I, I knew Carolina, it was a private found it school in eighteen twenty-six, but they yeah. get it done. Uh, take no, that, everybody who wanted a perfect bracket. But you know, I'm one good of those guys when well, it comes it, to this you tournament. You know,
1: they're going to be upsets. You just have to pick the right ones. I, and I, the problem I is, it. It, it's it, it's hard, and I you're exactly right. I just couldn't pull the trigger on it. Uh, yesterday but i know there were people who forecast this upset i just was not one of them
0: yeah uh you were close though you were close and and we'll see i felt the same way about the uh the montana state game that'll be happening later in the tournament that yeah. i, I mm-hmm. want to pick them in that upset so bad i can't but i, I can take them well, to cover the I, eight I, half point spread though i and mean if, if virginia can <laughs> so, lose no to Perman,
1: kansas state can certainly lose to montana state and uh we're watching uh the beginning of the Charleston San Diego state game. I Charleston, Charleston has a four point lead and uh, Charleston has shown that I watched some of the early minutes uh, they can play. Yeah. The San Diego I actually, state. I there's picked no Charleston to win that
0: game. Actually, I think they will win that game. I think they're a team that plays a lot better than, uh, than a lot of people. See. You know, you don't well, see it a lot. You
1: look at the record,
0: but, right. but they're, they are really good. They're very and,
1: good. And, and some of these mid major teams, first of all, they're seasoned. Second of all, they can shoot the three ball. And, Uh, For a half, well, maybe not for the entire half. I'd say for the first 15 minutes of the game, Howard stayed right with Kansas and had several leads, Mm -hmm. not big leads, but they went ahead uh, between one and three. And that's what happens. The overall depth Uh, of a a Kansas team Uh, is going to carry the day. Sure, and and you know I'm not sweating it out exactly, but I'm saying that this is how a 16 or a 15 or a 14 beats a one, two, or three. They're playing loose. Uh, they're not really able to defend Kansas very well. Kansas is basically getting what it wants on offense, but Howard can shoot the three ball and they had some length. So uh, Kansas is a shorter team and they were able to score with Kansas for about 15 minutes and then just, offensively, Kansas, Grady Dick was terrific and looked like a lottery pick today. I I am of the belief that not just Grady Dick, but a lot of freshmen who do come out and in fact end up getting drafted in the lottery would be drafted in the lottery if they waited a year. And I I think someone like Grady Dick, um, it's not Jabari Dick. Walker, because Jabari Walker didn't get drafted in the first round. He He almost didn't get drafted at all. He was drafted on the 57th That's when you don't leave. I I think people of, of, of that ilk, they're very talented, and I understand the lure of the NBA and trying to get in to the NBA as quickly as possible, but if you don't play in the NBA, there's not enough practice time to allow you to develop, and the ratio is two to one in college, two practices for every game. And the NBA, once the season starts, the other way around. It's about two games for every practice, every real practice. I'm not talking about shoot-arounds. I'm talking about a real practice. It's, it's two to one the other way. Right. So why not, if you're Grady Dick, stay at Kansas, get a little stronger. And when I say he's not as strong as he can be, I'm not saying he's soft. He's showing today. He's well, going to double-double today. He's 18, he 19 double, years old. He's going to
0: get bigger and he, stronger. He's going Just to get like
1: stronger. Older, he is right. not soft. Uh, he He's not a standstill shooter uh, either. He, he is very good from three-point range, over 40%, but he can take the ball to the basket off the dribble. He moves well without the ball. He's a fine passer, very unselfish, and he's gotten better defensively. He still isn't particularly good but he's gotten better defensively as the season has gone on and today this is a teenager playing in the ncaa tournament something he said before the game he had dreamed of all his life Uh, that two dreams one was to play for kansas and two was to play in the ncaa tournament and with kansas the two go hand in hand usually and in in his first game when you thought maybe he'd be a little tight he was the best player on the floor By far. Here's the the thing with all of that, though, and you're you're right,
0: and and it's almost as if there's two different things pulling in in polar opposites from the other, in the idea that if if a player like Grady Dick wanted to become a a better and more impact player at the NBA level, he's better off staying. He's better off staying. It's just the truth, especially as a freshman. Here's the problem with that. You can also suffer an injury. A million things can go wrong, and in the NBA now, if you are, and there, there's a different way to look at it. See Jabari Walker's case, barely drafted at all. Come back, you're probably a lock first rounder, maybe even somewhere in well, the middle. Now that's the situation where if I'm if well, I'm talking uh, no, to a player, I, I, I think say he's you
1: probably a top ten pick. You I'm, come, and if I'm that's the case, then can't get drafted. You need in the to stay.
0: But at the same time, you if you're Grady Dick, and let's say you're going to be a low lottery pick right now,
1: you'll get twenty million dollars guaranteed. Well, no, I understand and that. so I think the lure of get, that, given the injury he'll get 20 to $25 million guaranteed if he waits a year. Unless he gets hurt. Well... And that's and the thing. That, yeah.
0: that, that risk is... You know is what?
1: They said that about Zion Williamson. You know, that's he true. got hurt at the end of the year at Duke, and he goes to the NBA, and he's hurt all the time. And he's brilliant. But there's himself, not a lot of Zion. But he's hurt. up but, but I'm saying you can get hurt in the NBA, too. Oh, you can, but you're getting paid I, in the NBA already. Uh, guaranteed okay. contracts. Uh, okay. I, 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 now I'm maybe, just saying that the the chances of a career ending end are, are relatively happening. low That's on the college true. level. I can't remember it, it it's, happening. Sam Bowie was always going to be an injury
0: risk. You're still and he up got two. drafted ahead, ahead of, of Michael, Michael Jordan,
1: Jordan anyway.
0: Right. Which is, of course, who everyone holds up because nobody really actually has any beef with the Akeem Olajuwon pick. who was first that year, and hard to complain about that one. But I do wonder at times, looking at this landscape, if the here's where and and i mean i'm inherently sort of a pro player guy if it's deciding between a an organization a program a team a league even the university i am generally pro player but here's where i wonder at a certain point if the nil landscape of which the ncaa is terrified of actually may end up being good in these cases because someone like let's just take grady dick today great game he can make money. Now all of a sudden, he's like, you know Kansas. what? I can I can close that gap while in sure. a Kansas and then get better. So now maybe I'm a top half dozen pick in the NBA draft. And well, now it, now all of a sudden. Again, he might
1: be He might be anyway. He might be, but anyway. I'm just saying. But, but there are
0: a lot of players in which case maybe yeah. that gap can be closed exactly. and, and you can make enough money exactly. in the interim exactly. to then realize that, that it's a different. better investment of your time, time to stay yeah. at college. Uh, yeah. Certain guys even maybe, hey, while you're at it, get your degree. Uh, if you're going to be a borderline type player, maybe get that degree to fall back on. You can still make money in the interim and then make the leap. Well, and that's where the, the 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 member universities are terrified of it. But I think from time to time, they're just not looking at it the right way. This could be beneficial, especially in basketball programs where there's so many one and dones.
1: If you grow up with a specific dream to play for a particular school, and you know that school's in the tournament every year. Right. If and you know the they're bugs. a national championship contender most every year. Would you really want to leave after one year? Now, I, 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 I say this with only one qualification if they win the national championship of course he should leave then what then what's left yeah what's left to accomplish you've already got everything. Accomplished.
0: yeah you've right? done everything all that can happen then is disappointment As now if
1: they had somehow lost today to howard and he had played poorly i i can't imagine that that he he'd leave um maybe his draft position would be affected maybe it he prob- wouldn't be probably be affected but a little. he was great they won so I'm saying, as of right now, I'd still stay an extra year if I were him. But obviously, it's his choice. He was brilliant today. Uh, they were favored to win by 22, and they won by 28. All's well. Two they almost scored 100.
0: Going on, yeah, and they they were dominant. Two games going on right now. Alabama, the top overall seed, 54-34 over Texas A&M Corpus Christi, as we speak. San Diego State, 32-29 over Charleston in the final minute of right. that opening half. So we'll we'll keep an eye on those, and they'll continue. Uh, Princeton and Arizona set to tip any minute, even during the course of the show. Uh, Princeton and Arizona will tip. Illinois and Arkansas will also tip as well another nine versus eight in a, in a pretty interesting so Princeton?
1: Have you seen Princeton recently? Because I have not. I Does haven't. Does Princeton still run the Princeton the old, offense? The Princeton offense. I'm not sure they probably, do, actually. Probably not. Some, there, there are, are some very few schools that really probably do. Probably some version I mean, of it. I guess
0: but, if we're going to be, yeah. you know, technical about it, any offense that Princeton runs would be the Princeton offense. Technically. Yeah. Right? I mean. Well, we know. know Joe Scott
1: down at Air Force right? runs, the runs Princeton it. Princeton of offense. He did and, when he was at DU. He did when he was at Air Force. And historically, his it there. is an outstanding
0: equalizer when
1: you have inferior
0: talent. You start frustrating a team with pace, not letting them do what they want to do a team that's got a lot of really young athletic players like Arizona say. it's like the wishbone used
1: to be right yeah college football yeah
0: which by the way people air, didn't see it. air often force would run its triple for. option and things like that too because yeah you weren't you couldn't prepare for it there really wasn't anything to it and they just kind of got under your skin and kind of as you pointed out uh with a case like you know Furman today or even for a, a little while even in the first half even though it wasn't going to happen to Howard that's how you get an upset right you you, you, the superior team is a little bit off their game. If you can cause that, great. You just find a way to stay close, and then maybe maybe there's a mistake made late. Maybe you get
1: a little lucky. That's what happens. This was a classic March Madness finish. I mean, a team that had been behind the whole game was down to a team that at half a slow points. pace and scored 41 points in the second half, down 12 with 10 minutes to go, and they come back to win. But it, it's a relatively seasoned team and they didn't panic. They didn't try for 10 or 12 point plays. (laughs) They were very patient. They chipped away. Uh, they started to score. Um, Virginia only turned the ball over eight times. The eighth was damaging, but the first seven really weren't all that damaging seemingly. So they had to create their own offense. Virginia wasn't helping them out all that much. And, uh, Uh, I'm happy to see at least one game today and maybe one game tomorrow, you know, bust up everybody's practice. I I love it.
0: I, I admittedly, you know, uh, there's no, there's no local teams in the tournament here. So I, I just root for chaos. I mean, give me, uh, give me all, all the craziness. That's all I want to see the rest of the way. So hopefully, so we got our big opportunity. We got, we got already just one, at least maybe there'll be more obviously. And, and, uh, uh, maybe the Charleston one will come uh, come through over the course of, of this program I as think well. That's a, I think there's a, a legitimate likelihood. chance.
1: I think actually, that's a likelihood. There's a opinion. few.
0: A lot of these mid-majors this year have done uh, a,
1: a lot of really good work against some of the top teams. I like what they do. And they still get, um, I won't say the S word, they still get messed with, in my view, in the tournament. I, I am always in favor of more mid-majors. It does nothing for me. Uh, to find the team that finishes ninth in the Big East for a few years, there it was Syracuse. Let's right. say, get into the tournament, and they they didn't even have a winning conference record. To me, that should be, in and of itself, a disqualifying. The funny thing is, I think about aspect that you should be able to win half your conference games, yes. at least. Half.
0: This tournament always intrigues me because the ones that really stick in my mind that broke through. The sports fans, right? Look, look, the, the people we're talking to today, thanks for listening, thanks for streaming it. You're you're interested in the tournament, obviously. We're preaching to the choir here. You're watching it like we are. You're interested in it. The, the few times the tournament breaks out into something where people who aren't normally interested in it get interested in it mm-hmm. when... Loyola makes a run when George Mason goes to the final four and All Saint of a sudden, Peter's goes to Saint the Elite That's when people that are just like, what's that about? Well, I guess I got to see what's going on with this. It, it's funny that you say that because you're right. I think it is sort of it's always a little slanted towards the bigger universities the brand names, with the sort of mistaken belief somewhere in the back of someone's head that that's going to actually improve the ratings when I'm not convinced it does. The biggest buzz around this tournament is when there's some Cinderella that sneaks up there and all of a sudden, everybody who didn't have a dog in the hunt, now you're like, well, I'm just, okay, I'm rooting for St. Peter's now. I'm, I'm going for Loyola. I'm going for George Mason. Because why not?
1: Let, let's see the, the new guys. No one, including fans, wants four Cinderellas in the Final Four. They want well, you're, the best point yeah. teams, which are generally the blue bloods or programs that are very close to that status, but to have one team break through to the elite eight. You want to St. Peter's a regular last year, Joe in that. That's there ideal. Yeah. That's ideal. Fans can get into that. I don't think certainly not the tournament organizers, certainly not uh the bigger schools, and I think uh, pretty certainly not even the fans want a host of Cinderella stories no. making it through to the second weekend or even the Elite No, eight. nobody
0: wants to see, for example, like Furman Charleston. Nobody actually, actually really wants to see that. But they would like to see one of those teams play one of the big teams that they are familiar with. Well, and maybe
1: give him a fight. I I wouldn't mind on the first weekend, because if Charleston wins, I, that yeah. will be the. Matchup. I actually kind of like that because I know one of these teams I is like going to be that. through right into the sixteen. So exactly, you'll get one of these teams into the Sweet Sixteen, and I'd love to see Alabama. Let's say have to play College of Charleston or Furman. Boy. I'd love to I mean, see Alabama's that. Alabama's already a heel in this tournament. You, I can tell you how much pressure to be on Alabama, even apart from the circumstances that grow, in my view, increasingly problematic for yeah, Alabama every, every single round. Of view. I agree. Because every now round. there's a fourth player who is apparently on the scene and of you the don't murder,
0: think, uh, and when you're talking about. How many days in between games? I guess what the interview questions are going to be the whole time.
1: Oh, that's... the And... I, I think deep down, you know, Alabama's the overall number one seed, but I'm not sure that there are very many people, apart from those who root for the Crimson Tide, who really want them in the Final Four. Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> that They can win two or three games, but they don't want them making it that far, because has to be talked about
0: well every time they play has to be don't look now but the after losing three in a row the colorado avalanche have now won four of their last five with a shootout win in toronto so far two and zero on the four game road trip with another one tonight we'll take a look at the avalanche after their 2-1 shootout see where everything stands next on mile high sports Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. We we're having a little fun during the break at uh, Jordan Bennington's expense with the St. Louis Blues. The goaltender uh, gave up uh what fifth—I think it was his fifth goal—and then uh, in the ensuing. Totally, completely normal yeah. collision because Bennington flopped all over the place and trips over one of the uh, the players. But did that the remind you of,
1: him. by the way, yeah. the Cadre thing last year, Yeah. where he was mortally offended by? know if he threw a water Cadre bottle. and threw a water bottle <laughs> at him <laughs> after bottle. the game, the uh, uh, but as yeah, he, he was he, doing he, a post game interview. But he's the same hothead uh, now with a brutally bad team. Uh, He's as he was when he's part of it now. When they were winning and at least making the playoffs, of course, three years ago, four years ago, now they won the Stanley Cup, right? Four Mm -hmm. years ago, with Pennington and Ned, where he was outstanding. And and he was great, but since he has developed an inflated sense of himself, and he's just a clown now. Yeah, show.
0: basically yes and uh, the blues are not going to win another stanley cup with him in net they're just not it's not going to happen well
1: they're, they're already breaking up that stanley cup team yeah as we've
0: seen. Uh, and he's uh he's become but all you have to know is mark-andre fleury has been in the league for a very very long time the ultimate pass and, and also has a uh, let's say a, a a storied career behind him as well oh, he's a hall of famer mark-andre fleury Dropped the gloves and skated all the way down past the half line, deciding at almost the age of 40, he wanted some of Jordan Bennington. Tells you how much Jordan Bennington is respected around the league. <laughs> Even Mark andre Fleury is coming your way to try to get you into a fight. And uh, I, I love the uh, the TNT announcers who were basically rooting for it. Flat out rooting for it. I can't remember the ones with one guy, one of the announcers actually said, let him go. <laughs> let him go do it. I mean, one goalie fights are admittedly kind of awesome, but uh, especially when it's Jordan Bennington who kind of has it well, coming.
1: Uh, and then he, then he pumps those, up the
0: team like he's uh, on his way out, as if he was, uh, well, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what they call him on the podcast hero, Rick Flair,
1: uh-huh. right? Yeah. And the wrestlers, you know, woo, going all the way
0: out. You're like, come on, man,
1: ridiculous. Well, uh, you know, uh, I I remember Patrick Waugh in one of those Detroit fights back in the day, injuring his shoulder, and he said it never was right after that for the rest of his career. Now he's still Patrick Waugh. And you don't play goal with your shoulder, but you have to absorb it a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. And he never got that shoulder right, which he is long since. I mean, succeeded.
0: yeah, th- th- they definitely don't want goalies to fight. Your team doesn't in general. But, you know, it, 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 it tells you so much. You know, Fleury is 38 years old. And he decides he wants a piece of Jordan Biddington, which just absolutely. Cracks me up that that's that's where that's how disliked
1: Bennington is across oh, the league. I, I think he's the most unpopular goaltender, easily the age, most you know? unpopular goaltender, even sure. unpopular within the goaltending fraternity. And the funny thing is, look, you, in which it's hard to be unpopular, you're, really. You're it, gonna it's try it's to for fraternity, yeah,
0: you're gonna pump up the crowd after you coughed up five goals. Oh, and by the way, it cost your team a 3 1 lead.
1: Yes, get your head in the game, man. One of Whatever. our one of our colleagues has <laughs> listening last night <day. laughs> Whatever this is another station, and uh, they they were doing uh, the Avalanche post game. They were talking about uh, St. Louis having a three one lead at the end of one, and basically saying the game was over. (laughs) <laughs> Minnesota will be ahead by the end of the second period. No, uh, I didn't you. think they'd be ahead six to four, but, but I go. thought they'd be ahead.
0: The Avalanche cash in their win against a very tough Toronto team that has a very good home record. Toronto scored early, 341 in the first. Morgan Riley yeah, gets his goal uh, in there past Georgiev, and I'm. Uh, we've been talking it about— It the first shot
1: because Riley hit the post mm-hmm. a few
0: minutes earlier. We've been talking about how we're a little concerned about maybe it's fatigue for Georgiev or not. Tough to split out because uh, you you have the numbers. He hasn't faced a lot of shots, but then that, that was it. First shot went by him. None ever did the the. F's Seventeen more later.
1: shots. Seventeen shots
0: on the power stopped. play. Miko Rantanen with forty-four goals on the season now
1: on that well, power play that uh, was set uh, up. That 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 was a fortunate bounce. He was trying to make a play and properly so, uh, and the puck bounced in off the defenseman. Well, his last right goal between the legs bounced off of his own teammate of one leader. of the best goaltenders in the league, who was otherwise at least in regulation in the overtime. Unbeatable, last but night. that is, and only got beaten once in the shootout. That's your textbook Wayne Gretzky, right? You miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. You got, you got it. You have to. Well, f- it wasn't a shot; it was a pass. Well, yeah,
0: but you, but, but you try to force that action, yes. and, and and yeah, getting
1: they, they deserve getting the lucky is part of the game. The you
0: know, keep it around nope. the net, and uh, Georgiev gets the player, or the first star of the game, even only with 17 saves, but that 944 save percentage and the win as uh, Nathan McKinnon gets the goal. Oh, in he made the some shootout. Great saves though.
1: Yeah, he did. Because it is still Toronto, and Toronto's dangerous whether they get 20 shots or 40 shots. And there were two or three magnificent saves made by Gioge. If he rose to the occasion last night, that was a playoff-style game uh, with the kind of import that most regular season games, frankly, don't have. Correct. And they have lost uh, in the last three games they played against Toronto before last night blown out last year in Toronto rallied from way behind to beat Toronto here last year, earlier this year beaten badly at ball arena by Toronto and last night down one, nothing in the first five minutes of the game, but they committed to their checking game last night, limited shots, uh, played with determination, played with class. And uh, after the game, the Toronto people were talking about uh, the Avs playing as a Stanley Cup champion, as expected to play. And though their reputation centers on their explosive attack, in fact, uh, the Avalanche have been, even this year with all the injuries, one of the 10 top defensive teams in the league, and I think Jared Bednar has challenged them to be, down the stretch here, one of the top five defensive teams in the league. And they had a top five goaltender last night and a top five uh, defensive performance uh, last night, to be sure. And Ranton got one goal, and McKinnon got the shootout goal, which does not go down as a goal officially. Right. But they only needed one in the shootout. Because stone but your big guys
0: it. played big. McKinnon and Rantanen
1: and your goaltender—that's that's, that's well, how you end up winning games. You, but- you still had McKinnon with Rantanen mm-hmm. and Rodriguez last night. Yep. Uh, you put uh, Morgan on the second line with Comfort and Nashushkin, and I thought they played very well. Um, Eller, I'm not totally sold on yet, but it may be a a Manson kind of deal where it takes him a while to adjust to a different system. Uh, I thought certainly Cogliano and O'Connor were outstanding last night, and uh, I thought the fourth line uh, was good, uh, with uh, Galchenyuk joining Newhook and Nieto, and uh, on defense, all three pairings uh, I thought were great. Taves and McCarr, Gerard and Byram, Jack Johnson and Hunt, uh, they weren't Great on the power play uh, last night, but uh, the penalty kill, uh, I thought was outstanding. And their goal and came on. yeah, the
0: helped them out. And with it's because uh, you like brought up seven
1: guys are out, and yeah. they give a performance like, like that, that. You don't have Francis, you don't have Manson, you don't have Landeskog, you don't have Helm, you don't have Eric Johnson, you don't have Lekanen, you don't have McDermott. That's seven guys who are regulars or semi regulars mm-hmm. out, and uh, you know McKinnon. Carr and Byram and Nashushkin and Rodriguez have missed chunks of time this year as well, although they're playing now. Seven guys, consequential guys, out of the lineup last night. They play a game like that. I still think they can win 50, and if they win 50, I think they'll finish no worse than second in the Central Division, and they will play most likely Minnesota in the first round with home ice advantage, but the Avalanche, as you pointed out, a better team this year on the road anyway. Mm-hmm. And as Nathan McKinnon reminded the Toronto media yesterday, uh, the Avalanche 9-1 and on the road in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 2022.
0: Give some credit to JT Confort by the way, Galchenyuk, as you mentioned, of course, steps in for lekin and obviously does not play a lot. Five shifts, three minutes, 22 seconds. I had
1: forgotten that he was a 30-goal scorer in Montreal. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, that was a few years ago, but he's in his late 20s. He's not. He's not. He's not. Not not an old man. He's not an old man. 29. Yeah. And I think with New Hook and Nieto. He was the third overall pick. That's a pretty good fourth line. Yeah. At one point, point, the third
0: overall pick. And uh, it it just, after he left Montreal, things just didn't really work. And so maybe there's a little bit of reason for upside, but give it up for uh, JT Comfort, who ended up picking up that slack and at times really playing some double shifts and being on both. He's been. Both lines. He's been
1: really, really got good
0: Almost all of those shifts that would have gone to Galchenyuk, I think, if yeah. he was more uh, set in his ways. Sure. And, and, sure. and when you talk about the situation with, uh, in Georgiev's case, it's the shots against, that. I think at times, when you take a look at goaltending and you talk to goaltenders about the mindset, there are times, and, and you said it before, they've, they've faced 57 shots in three games. That can actually be really hard. There, there is value when you talk to most goaltenders, not all of them, but most of them will tell you they'd actually rather face more shots at regular intervals than fewer shots at irregular intervals so they can stay sharp. And you can imagine why. I, if you whatever sport you played, if you only, you know, got the ball every once in a while, it makes it harder to be at your peak when when, it's, when it happens to you. And Georgiev, I think, has done in the last couple games a really good job of that because you give the ass credit for limiting those shots the total number of shots, but we talked about it yesterday because of the nature of the guys that are out Manson in particular, to a lesser extent, Eric Johnson, of course, as well. Many of the shots that they are facing are high danger shots, oftentimes in the slot that require a more than ordinary
1: effort to get the save. Did you catch what Bednar said after the game? And I always listen to Bednar. And I I think he is very insightful, but you, you you have to really pay attention to what he's saying. He talked about the demeanor and the work ethic of Georgiev. Now, Georgiev's always been a worker. Henrik Lundquist, who does uh, uh, studio work for TNT, and it was in the studio last night, by the way. Um, has talked about Georgiev and praised him lavishly for his work habits. And, of course, Georgiev at one time was supposed to have been Lemquist's successor as a goaltender with the Rangers. King Henrik, he would have been the heir apparent. apparent. He would have been the heir apparent. So uh, the work ethic, uh, okay, other people have said that, the demeanor. And I thought back to two and a half months ago, on a night in Vancouver, when the Avalanche were up 2-0 late in the second period and gave up three goals in less than three minutes, and after the third goal had gone in, Georgiev smashed his stick against the crossbar. And, okay, he's frustrated. I understand that. Cale McCarr, I don't think it was anything personal on Georgiev's part, but Gail McCarr happened to be in the vicinity and seemed to be trying to calm Georgiev down, and Georgiev started screaming at him. François was hurt at the time, but a few days later, François came back. He was healthy. And he played four out of the next six games. And a very subtle message by Jared Bednar that your demeanor is not right. We're a Stanley Cup championship team. You can't lose your cool in that way. Smash the stick against the crossbar. Okay. But yelling at Kale McCarr had nothing to do with a goal that was just scored against you. It just happened to be in the area and you start screaming at him. We can't have that. So I thought it was very interesting that he went to his demeanor, implying that maybe his demeanor wasn't ideal earlier in the year. And it wasn't, I don't care what his numbers were for January. He was benched in a stretch of four out of six games for Pavel Fransos, and he came back, and I think he got the message. And I think we see evidence this year, both early in the season at Madison Square Garden, playing for the first time against his former team, and last night, that in big spots, in big cities against good teams, in places like Los Angeles, certainly New York and Toronto, he rises to the occasion. And he did that last night. And and the numbers got his thirtieth win tied for second in the NHL and wins. Nine seventeen save percentage tied for fifth in save percentage. Two point six one goals against twelfth. Four shutouts tied for third. And if he plays tonight, and I'm not sure he will, it would be his fiftieth game. He has started every single game.
0: Save one since February 19th. So the Avs get it done. Now three wins in a row. Yeah, two in extra time, but whatever. The points are the points, and they're trying to get it. When you end up being hurt, you want to hire the winner. Those are our friends over at Burnham Law, Burnham Law, That's 720-845-7001. Their personal injury attorneys have years of experience fighting for their clients, locations all over the front range for Collins, Boulder, Westminster, Cherry Creek, the DTC, Colorado Springs, and even in Cheyenne, the main personal injury office right here where we're at, Sandy, the DTC. When they're injured, they push for you to get the maximum recovery in the best way possible, whether that's by settlement or whether that's by trial. They try to get the best settlement for you and the best fit for you so they will fight for you when you're injured and when you're seriously hurt don't go on tv and follow someone with a, a funny advertisement go somewhere where people get the wins that's our friends at burnham law so go to BurnhamLaw.com. law.com 720-845-7001 the denver nuggets will be going for one of the wins of their own in just a little bit out in detroit we'll take a look and check in on the nuggets and the back-to-back mvp Nikola Jokic. is he tired you're just playing a little off what's going on with the nuggets Look at it next to Miley Sports
1: The Radio springs on forgotten song Brand Lee Some people call me the space
0: cowboy Yeah Some call me the gangster
1: of love Some people call me this is
0: Sandy Clough and Sean Tar on Mile High Sports. Here's Sean and Sandy. Say I'm doing you wrong, doing you wrong. The Denver Nuggets, Sandy, have a big game tonight. Again, and look, let's us be let's be careful about this. And I, you know, I know pun intended. Uh, this really should be a a slam dunk game. The Nuggets take on the Pistons at five in Detroit. They are a no typo, fifteen point favorite. Which used to be, at least in the NBA, like almost comically unheard of to have a double digit. Look,
1: the, the Pistons are what's well, commonly tanking. Uh, it's comically unheard of to be 16 and 54 unless, as you just We're said, tanking. you're tanking and playing for the French kid.
0: Yes, is a Victor Re- Bayana, who yeah. everyone feels, you know, is perhaps a generational prospect. And so the Pistons uh, are tanking, 9-27 and 27 at home. The Nuggets, of yeah. course, are the top team <laughs> in the—I mean, I mean, they are. They are. I'm not going to dance around it. They are. They're, they're nine tanking. 9-27.
1: They're, they're trying and to that lose. That means they're 7-27 on the road, but one of those seven wins came at Ball Arena earlier yep. this year against the Nuggets.
0: Yep and and that's the trick when a team tries to tank because it's it's always interesting because the the franchise might want something but you're not going to be able to tell players in general when when teams tank here's what they do because you know out here the former top pick in the draft James Wiseman now with Detroit averaging 13.1 points per game 9.0 rebounds a game having a pretty nice season on a pretty bad team the kid so, golden state especially coming out of of and has yeah. started with some injury as well yeah. what teams do is they you understand you're not going to be able to tell a professional player whose career and reputation rests on their performances right. oh, no, to the go out and trying. lose a game. The players, the players, are, players trying. are trying. What happens is the team just strips the parts down so you're not deep. You don't have the the matching sort of unit. Uh, the person who really gets hamstrung is the coach. and And you just don't have enough talent to get wins. And so that's what the Pistons are doing. The Nuggets... I'm not even going to talk about the concept of them losing this game. That would be a debacle, and if it happens, we'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. My question is, how long should the starters go before they get pulled? Because, again, Detroit as an organization is not even trying to win this game tonight. This
1: is one of those games in which Jokic can't play 30 minutes because they should have the game wrapped up by halftime effectively so maybe this is one of those where you can rest him and maybe play him 25 minutes 26 minutes same with murray murray can't play 40 minutes tonight as he did the other i'm night. not even sure okay murray should he play can't twenty-five play minutes 30 minutes all right uh 24 25 minutes for him at most they have a game with the knicks on saturday in the, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, at Madison Saturday Square Garden. Saturday
0: and a weird start time. Uh, right. 1 1, like one p.m. Right. local, 11 a.m. here. They
1: play Saturday afternoon games this time of year at Madison Square Garden. I think they play Sunday afternoon.
0: They do. It's also 1.30. Uh, it's a little later. It's a 3.30 start locally, one thirty start here. But, yes, they play afternoon games both Saturday and Sunday.
1: Right. Uh, which can be a little awkward. And, you know, I, I was looking at uh, basketball references net rating today. And – It's interesting. It combines offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency, and they put numbers on it, which don't mean anything to me. I'm just concerned with the ranking, right? Right. And I see that uh, New York is number seven in the league. Denver's number five. So, to me, that game on Saturday is a pick-em game. The Knicks 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 won earlier this year in Denver. They were another team, as Brooklyn did. Detroit, Brooklyn, And the Knicks, the next three nugget opponents, starting with Detroit tonight, all won games earlier this year at Ball Arena. The Knicks are ranked seventh. Sacramento is actually uh, number eight. The only four teams out of Denver are all Eastern teams. Cleveland is one, although they lost at home to Philadelphia last night. Boston, two. Philadelphia, three. Milwaukee, four. Then you have Denver, Memphis, New York 7th, Sacramento 8th, Phoenix ninth, and guess who's 10th? A possible Nugget first-round opponent, the Oklahoma City Thunder. A team that, by the way, gives them fits. They give they them Nuggets They beat them three fits. out of four, but it was a tough task to win three out of four. Mm-hmm. And the last time they played in Denver was the game in which Bones Highland left the bench in the fourth quarter. Never to return, literally, as a Nugget. He never played again. Yeah, never in a on Nugget the floor uniform. Again.
0: Nope. That was it. This this game is. I, I'm I'm with you because this is now a Nuggets team has lost four games in a row. Now, quite frankly, for a team as good as the Nuggets are, they've only been competitive in even one of those losses. They lost one twenty five to one ten to Toronto on Tuesday. Go back to Sunday. They lost by a uh, two. One could make the argument that's where the weirds. Uh, Blaming Michael down Porter. Down 11 going to the fourth right. And that's where the strange blaming Michael Porter Jr. sort right. of situation happened and they lost by two where Porter Jr. had 23 points in the first three quarters. So very strange. They lost by eight to the Spurs, which uh, inexcusable. That that might as well be a blowout. That team's not trying to win either. And then they get blasted by the, uh, the Chicago Bulls, 117 to 96. They have not... Not only have they been lost four games in a row, Sandy, they have not been playing well in that span of time either.
1: And well, They lost by more than 20 points to Chicago, as you said. Right. Uh, lost by eight to San Antonio, which is you like... Might as well looking, be 25. But, but losing by 20 to an average team. Yes. And and the, the Brooklyn game got close at the end. They had a chance to win. Um, but the other night, they, weren't they were really down good. by 24 in the second half. Yes, they came back, cut it to three. But even Michael Malone said after the game, when that happens, you're using up 95 right. to 99 percent of your energy to, to catch go from 24 up. to three. You have nothing left. So the the
0: there are two things that can be solved. And I'm really intrigued to see if Michael Malone can touch on them. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday with Ryan Blackburn of of High Sports. And you can follow him at NBA Blackburn on Twitter and then. Uh, check out the Pickaxe and Roll podcast, or you can always go to the MileHighSports.com uh, website or the app and download that interview with uh, Ryan as well. Uh, it might be a pretty good to listen uh, during the evening if you would like to find out how the Nuggets are going to approach the rest of this trip. But Malone has an opportunity to, if not kill two birds with one stone, to at least make some headway towards it. Because you can tonight get Jokic and Murray the rest they need. And and you know what? And maybe even Porter Jr. or Gordon, whatever. But certainly Jokic and Murray can get the rest they need. And this is an opportunity for a bench that is not at all in sync after being cut, sort of cobbled together in the wake of the Highland disaster. Put them out there together for a lot of this game. A lot of this game. Start force-feeding that. Try to microwave that chemistry. Keep that bench unit out there. I would love to see those bench unit tonight. I'd be more than happy to see reggie jackson to see uh thomas bryant who well, got a dmp it, last time i'd like to I see agree. these guys with near I starters agree. minutes tonight because get them on the floor get them accustomed to each other because you're only going to have so many opportunities the rest of the schedule and into the playoffs to do it if this bench does not get right the nuggets five man starting unit and, and you talked you talked about net ratings and things like that is generally considered the when you're talking about. Offensive possessions, defensive possessions, the most effective, efficient five-man unit in the league. The bench is its Achilles heel. Right now, that bench is on top of that playing poorly. Here's a rare opportunity to cram a little bit of time for these guys in there. And I get it. You, you didn't like Bryant's play. He was a DNP CD. Tonight, he needs to play. Oh yeah. He's not going to uh, help you sitting on the bench. Get him out there. Get him working with the
1: guys and get some rhythm. I did not know the answer to this question until I looked it up, and I was surprised at the answer. I'm talking about total minutes here. I'm not talking about minutes per game. I'm talking about total minutes played this year. There are two Nuggets who have played 2,000-plus minutes this year. Who do you think those two are? Certainly Jokic. And probably,
0: I guess given the injury situation, it might be Bruce Brown.
1: He's third. Okay. At 1917. Leading the team barely, but leading the team in minutes played. Contavius Caldo Pope would have surprised me on no, that. No, won a lot of money yeah. asking people that question and having them answer incorrectly. I would have certainly answer wow, yeah. incorrectly. Jokic, uh Caldo Pope twenty eighty seven, Jokic twenty sixty five, Brown nineteen seventeen, Murray eighteen oh six. Now Murray's missed time. Right. But it shows still you how much of a per though. game. Is too many minutes, but he's in raw minutes played. He's fourth on the team. Gordon is fifth at 1717. Porter is sixth at 1505. Sixth in minutes. Now I know he's missed some games, but not not a ton, right? He's been pretty healthy this year by and large. Christian Brown is number seven at 910. Jeff Green 870, and Chanchar 801. You, you, you've got to make some sense out of that. And we've been talking about Jokic and Murray being tired, but maybe Brown and Caldwell Pope are feeling the effects of playing too much. And it would be nice to give them a little time off tonight, as well as Jokic and Murray. We'll see what the Nuggets do.
0: They tip off at five. Well, we'll turn our attention to the Denver Broncos now that free agency uh, has its first round really concluded when you could sign guys yesterday. It was more or less done. The Broncos got their signatures done of the players. We already knew they added. Pro Football Focus had an interesting angle on their wins of a replacement of how they've done. We'll take a look at that, share it with you next on Mile High Sports.